it's going to be mixed methods. Like the easiest opinion is my method because that's what ends up, you know, that's what, that's what falls to the bottom, right? The easy stuff falls to the bottom. But what the duty of a community or imams is to say, no, we have to elevate, right? You have to elevate to what's correct, not descend to what's easy. And unfortunately, a lot of times people find themselves, they have to descend to the masses because you got to talk to them, right? right? And then you start to assume, well, if that's how everything is, then maybe that's really what the truth is, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe that's what Allah is accepting. No, that's not how it is, yeah. right? Uh, so it's all about elevating. And we're live now, right, Omar? All right, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Welcome, everybody, to the Nothing But Facts, to the Safina Society Nothing But Facts live stream on a very important day. It is a, firstly, a very sunny, very warm September Monday, and it's September 5th, uh, Tuesday, actually, because we had Labor Day off. I don't know if England, they have Labor Day, but England has random bank holidays. But Labor Day... Which I was thinking, you know, for the new generation, the Gen Z, should basically be canceled. And then somebody said, no, there's no point in canceling it because they're mostly unemployed anyway. Right? Because they're not, they are not hard workers. This Gen Z, you, you worry about them. Gen Z, when you deal with Gen Z, they're going to basically tell you, hey, can you, um, if you say, for example, hey, would you, would you mind emailing uh, Seth all the files? Okay, let's set up a... Uh, and a point, who should I CC on that? Oh, CC John. Okay, let's set up a WhatsApp group, and then we need to schedule it. I need to meditate five minutes before and after, right, so that I can be focused. And then afterwards, and we need a coffee break. I mean, they cannot just do something. What's going on with Gen Z? I've said it before, they need a war. Unfortunately, no offense, and I hope you know, it doesn't really happen, but I'm telling you what you need. They need a war. Okay, they need something where hardship, the measure of hardship, goes back to balance. So you don't want people to suffer, but sometimes you realize this is the best thing for you because your balance of what's difficult and what's easy, it's off. It's completely off. That's what it is. And these weak men are going to create very tough, tough times. They're it, they're not even men. Weak men create. What is it? Weak men create bad times. What happens when the men don't want to be men? They want to wear pants that's uh, painted on. They want to wear, become basically ineth. They want to be females. And everyone's now following the K-pop, some K-pop group. They all wear pink. They got blonde hair. They dye their hair blonde. They wear kohl. And these are the new guys. One of the full blown websites is blonde. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. That's not even clothing. It's not even clothing. It might as well just wear tights, and that's it. We have an announcement today for everybody here who is an ArcView student, an ArcView attendee, an ArcView uh, member. We're, we're slowly taking... We've taken the big step towards developing our program into an academy. Okay? A formalized academy. Many of you... How many of years have you been in ArcView? This past summer, okay, mashallah. Some of you have been there from the olden days in which ArcView was basically one course, one class essentially that was given. And then that class we divided up into a section for the beginner and a section for the uh, intermediate, the person who has more ambition and wants to study a bit more. Now, 
you may say to yourself, I never really have time to study. I don't, ha I don't have the ability to do it. But anything that you want to do, if you only give it like 15 to 20 minutes once or twice a week, well, after a year, you'll be somebody different. If you just take one, but organized, like this is the book, this is the course. They're doing an hour a week. I can only do, let's say, 30 minutes, even a week, or even liter better yet, 10 minutes a day. That's it. No more, no less, right? And sometimes, you know what I always like to do? I like to, to package anything that I have to do with something that I really want to preserve or be grateful for. And so, for example, um, let's say that something really important happened that could have been bad, it turned out to be good. Now, we need to be grateful for that. And so, I'm going to be, my gratitude is to study for this 15 minutes a day. My shukr, for this matter, is to do hifz for 10 minutes a day. And you may think, oh, it's such a small amount, you're not going to get anywhere, which you will. It's not just that you will, you're going to start believing that's you. Because the more you go somewhere, right, even if you only spend 10 minutes there, but you got up and you went there. You got up and you opened the book, right? But you do that two, three hundred times a year, you will hold yourself and believe you are Taliban because you've done it so many times, right? In contrast, a person may spend a year in Syria or a year in a school, come back and never revise and never review, never do anything. They, in their head, they're Taliban because they spent a year. But in the reality, they're not. They're, they're off. So that's why I believe uh, that people should, they should realize that it's a lot easier than you imagine it to be. When, when you want to study, it is a lot easier than you imagine. It's simply the issue of repeatedly going back to the process and being systematic, right? So... Once you keep doing that, you will believe yourself to be that. Once you believe yourself, then you have to go now, right? Like, uh, sometimes, I hate to say this, but sometimes you see an imam in a mosque, and the deen has gotten so normal to him that you don't actually feel the taqwa, right? But he never does anything wrong, and he never misses faraid. But you never feel the taqwa. Like, you don't feel it oozing out of him. But when you look at his life, He's got to, he does everything right and never does anything wrong. Why? Because he believes he is imam now. He can't do those things. Even if he wants to, he can't. Right? So his mind may be on lahu and dunya all day, but he'll pray five times in the masjid. Right? It's because he has believed it. It's like it's on its own now. It's taking care of him rather than him building it up. Now I have to give a shout out. First of all, we have some, uh, some guests here. We have a wonderful brother from the state of Chicago, um, from Naperville, Chicago, with his family and a young man. What's your name, young man? Mikhail, mashallah, beautiful name, beautiful name. And then we have two brothers from Dallas. Again, Dallas is in the house, so we had um, quite a number of Dallas guests. And mashallah, they're these upright young shabab coming out of Dallas, right? No, they. I love the. I, firstly, when they come from Dallas, I know he's going to come in a thope. So something good is happening in Dallas, right? Something good. We're coming in a thobe. Now listen to this. I have the brother who made this house, who built what you see, the, the doors, the stucco, all that. 
Hajar, Samad, and their grandparents from Canada, Bibi and Omar, they watch the podcast regularly. And um, the other day, so, uh, uh, Saad, sorry, Saad, Saad and Hajar, and my my friend, he's the contractor, built this place, right? Built the, the, the face, the door, everything. He comes into the room, and he hears his daughter talking. And he said, who are you talking about? And she goes, and she's like, oh, someone we watch on YouTube. There's a program we watch on YouTube all the time. And he's like, well, what is it called? She said, it's nothing but facts. He's like, I built that building. And she's like, oh, dad, come on. And he's like, I know him, right? And she wouldn't believe him. She refused to believe him. I find himself, hey, uh, he says, Shay, could you call me on the phone right now? I'm like, what's going on? How, how could there be an emergency? I called him up, right, to give the Qatay evidence, right? <laughs> right? right? So it was the boot, right? And, it was, and so we gave him the Qatay evidence, and they wanted a shout-out. So there's a shout-out to our man Aqil's family, his kids, his grand, uh, the in-laws, which would be their grandparents. So, mashallah. Great brother and a great family. And there are so many families out there that really rely on the online scene. You can't underestimate that, right? Dallas, it's a luxury being Dallas, right? New Jersey, a bit smaller, a bit tighter, right? But it's a luxury to be in Central Jersey. Even people say Chicago, but not all the parts of Chicago. Like you're from part of Chicago that may not have, I don't know, is it very populated with Muslims? It is, mashallah. That's good. That's good. So today is an important uh, day for another reason, is that we're announcing that ArcView is taking another step towards being an official academy. Okay, and an official academy being that we're going to start giving exams and giving certifications. Like, what? How? How can we certify somebody? We could say. Teacher so-and-so has taught so-and-so for three years online and they've taken his exams. It's like a type of ijazah, right? It's a testimony. It's a shahada, right? It's a shahada. And a shahada, the real meaning is not a degree. The real meaning is a witness, a testimony, right? And the smaller the group, the stronger the shahada, right? So Rutgers University, you pass exams... You pass these huge 200 people in the class or sometimes 50 people in the class. But when you have smaller groups, right, and over the years, you know the person, you're WhatsApping with the person, they message the group, we message them back. We know, Not only do the teacher know who they are, the other students know who they are. And why is that important? What happens later on if you go somewhere and you become, let's say, you start teaching halakha and a masjid, and then someone comes and says, who is this person, Right. You need to have many people say, oh, we know him. He's not, and someone says, oh, no, he's a fraud. He never studied. No, he did. With who? With Sheikh so-and-so. Well, I asked Sheikh so-and-so, he doesn't remember. Of course, the Sheikh don't remember everybody, but he's going to have classmates. That's the importance of classmates, right? Classmates is extremely important because as you grow older, right, they become a type of shahada for you because as you go, let's say you're 40, your classmates are 20. They know you for 20 years, Right? No, no, he's the real deal. He's we've known him for 20 years, right? When you've known someone for 20 years, it takes a lot to ruin that. Like, you know someone for 20 years, no scandals, no, you know, really bad things happening. 
That's it. What, what do you want more from istiqama? Istiqama. The absence of misguidance for 20 years, that's pretty good. All, for us, of course, previous eras, people lived decades. I mean, centuries. They lived many, many years. 20 years is nothing. But if you look at someone, 20 years of istiqama is a, is a pretty decent achievement. Repeat another 20 years, mashallah. And the saddest of all is people who may leave off their, um, they leave off their, their suhbah and may go astray in their old age through politics, through other things. Mainly it's politics, right? Uh, hey, Omar, uh, Omar, check your email and stick on those ArcView. Um, did you get, oh, I sent it to info at, at Safina, uh, no, safinaside at gmail, at gmail. You see it there? Check it out. Safinasadi at gmail.com. That one. Yeah. I sent it there. So we have re rebooted. Okay. We've rebooted and, oh, and go up to. There's more on the first email. We've rebooted everything. ArcView now is divided into bundles. The first bundle is really the pinnacle that we're trying to get to, which is the plus. And it's a scholarship track. And we have now, for example, Matin al uh, uh being taught. Right? Uh, let's see if I have it on my phone. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Yeah, start putting them all up. This is a great Matin, Ash'ari Aqidah, taught by Shams Tamiz out of England. Okay. Matin al Iji, it's really called Al Mawaqif, as a long title Al Mawaqif. But it's known as Metan Iji. For example, that is going to be something on 200 level uh, Aqidah course. We're teaching Johar to Tawheed, which is Usama, Salhiyah. That's a 300 level course on plus. We're now having Metan al Iziyah for Madiki Fiqh. Many of you have taken the Madiki Fiqh. I've seen your name in the chats, in the Zoom meeting for years. Now your time for you to take Metan al Iziyah. When somebody takes a course and they feel shaky, what do I do? Is it the course bad? Am I not good at studying? No. At this age, when we're all adults and we're learning for our own benefit, neither the teacher nor the student is at fault. It's time. You maybe have too many things on your mind. Maybe got um, uh, just, just it's, n it's new material. So what do I do? Take the course again. Oh, I'm going to know 50%. No, no. You, 50% will not be new. That's different from knowing something. There's a big difference between knowing something and it not being new. Oh, you know 50%? Okay, good. So I'll teach the first half of the class. You teach the second half. You know 50%, right? No, no, I don't know it like that. Okay, then you don't know it, right? Knowing it means here's the, here's the text, okay? Teach it. And then all you have to do is look at the heading of the text. That's what the shiuch do when, they're in, when they really know it. All he does, just look at the heading of the text. What chapter are we on? That's it. And then he could speak for 30 minutes and maybe look at a footnote or one matter. That's it. That's knowing. So take it a second time. Take the class again. I'm telling you, this is the best way to learn. Sabr. You need sabr. That's why Mama Shafi said, from the conditions of, of to reach to become alim, you have conditions. One of them is a long life. Because this thing does take time. And if someone's rushing, uh, 
is not going to work out. By the way, we have a guest today. So as soon as I finish telling you about ArcView, we're going to have a guest. And then at the end, after uh, we have our uh, interview with a young convert, we're going to be going over again what ArcView is. So the first one is ArcView Plus. Then we took out of everything Arabic. So Arabic is all on its own. And it's going to be headed by someone very passionate about this, which is uh, Sheikh Mahdi Lak. He's very passionate about it. Then he's going to break it up into three courses. Okay, beginner, advanced, and intermediate. The intermediate, the, the advanced now, is what you would start taking after you finished all of Tuhfat al-Saniyya and you go back. So, so then, for example, maybe Qatr al-Nada, maybe something like that. All right. The books beyond that. So we would say like 200 level books. Likewise for all for fiqh, the madhahib, where their shafi fiqh is now going into um, fiqh and manhaji first. I'm not a shafi, so I don't know all their books. Then there's another book that they're going to be covering. Sheikh Usama, Salhiyah, is going to teach that. So that's our uh, uh, plus. Then Arabic, and then is the important one, the kids. Wherever there are kids programs, there's a future for Islam. Right? Anywhere there are kids, there's a future. You won't believe... I go and the weather is so beautiful out. Uh, it's fall. You start feeling the fall. You start doing autumn things. So what is the first autumn thing you do in New Jersey? As a parent, you sign your kid up for soccer, right? Every Saturday morning you go out there. The grass is out there. The kids play soccer for an hour. And you, you know, go out with your kids, right? So I call my friends. I text my friends. Hey, you all sign up for soccer? I'm not going to stop by myself, right? I go there. <laughs> I need. I need you go to be with me on the sideline, right? So they said, oh, "Oh, you won't believe it. There's no more soccer league." Hey, Omar, do the full screen. Do it all at half. Yeah, fill fill the screen with the, or the half of the screen with it. Oops. All right. Um, they text me back. They say, "Yo, you won't believe this. The league put out an email. Not enough interest." No soccer league this year. How do you have... It's like alamat al-sa'ah of American culture. Right? <laughs> How do you not have a soccer league? You know why? Because you have so much zina. Kids don't have parents. This is a family thing, right? So you have so much zina, and you start to see the effect of it now. Two years... Last two years, there's like four teams, then two teams, and now, no teams at all. Right? So, no soccer. So kids, the presence or absence of kids tells you everything. If there's a lot of kids, you have a future. And that's why masajid should cater. Masajid in America are community centers. They're not just places of salah. So they, they really need to have a lot of this stuff. So we have ArcView Kids. Now what is the value? What, is, what do we bring into the table with ArcView Kids? Hifs. Many people, they struggle to find a Hifs teacher online. They don't know how to do it. Call their auntie. Right? Can you get us a HIFS teacher? They don't know how to do it. We did it for They don't know how to pay them either. Right? International fees and all that. We did it all for you. Right? So ArcView Kids is now something that it has HIFS. It has Fiqh. And it has Sirah. And if you don't know how to do HIFS, there's Nurani Qaeda. Okay? Why do you think it's called the Nurani Qaeda? That was my first... 
What do you think? It's his name. It's his name. <laughs> it's the sheikh's name, right? And I'm like, here I am thinking, right? It's Nurullah coming into this uh, through the recitation. No, it's his name. And interestingly, the, this man eventually um, married, somehow ended up, the lineage ended up from Pakistan to Egypt. And that, sheikh, that grandson is now in his 90s. Or, sorry, 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 70s, 70s. And he's now taken like a retirement type of position, a slower position, but at one of the local mas- masajid here, right? So we're going to have to go meet him when he comes, inshallah. Because his grandfather is, you know, a legend in the ummah. There's no doubt about that, right? No doubt about that he's a legend um, in the ummah. So uh, many people think that he's from the era of like a sealty or... From, no, he's not. Nurani Qada was written only a few de- decades ago, right? Maybe ma- maximum one century or so. So that's the kids. And then we have the basic, which is focusing mainly on um, the beginners. Beginner is very important because they're, the beginner is not just somebody that you need to educate. It's someone you need to stoke the interest. Like if someone gives, if, 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 if a sheikh... I'm sitting with two Dar alum graduates. If a sheikh comes and he's going to be teaching a metin, you you go, right? You respect the, the, that he's there and you you attend, attend the whole thing, right? You, he doesn't need to motivate you, like you know. But maybe ten years ago, when you weren't students of Adam, then he needs a little bit of motivation too. So that's where the basic course. Is important because it does require a little bit of motivation and at the same time ta'aleem. And that's why it's its own track. So you can go to all these and start signing up at arcview.org. This is really important. Okay. Arcview at org. Uh, sorry, dot arcview.org. And um, inshallah ta'ala, you can you can all start taking the, the, the pre-recorded classes because how is it? There are on-demand courses and there are um, live courses that's how it's divided up okay so it's not just by the term and the reason is that by the term means you got to register every term three times a year there's a small summer term winter term uh, uh, autumn term uh, fall term and spring term well why 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 hassle people so we divide it up across the whole year and then you have either live classes or you have plenty of, uh, of courses that were from the past that you could study, right? And so that's how ArcView is divvied up. And we're going to put, you see there, ArcView Kids on the screen. And inshallah ta'ala will go over that a couple more times throughout the, the live stream. But until then, we have a very, very interesting guest. You all have to go? Um, we need, you know what we need here, Omar? We need an actual hosting committee. A hosting committee. Make Shay, you know, host, the, make sure that, you know, we, we, we are on time with our, sh- our, our host guests, especially like respectable folks come. Like Tulab al Ain when they come, or not Tulab al Ain, but Shabab when they come, it's no problem. But when we have like res- re- family coming, we got to treat, treat them well. Barakallahu feekum. Jazakumullah khairan. Thank you all very much. Thanks for coming. Yeah, we need to do it right by our people. And to love and come in and all that. 
Be treated right. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, our guests. We have different types of guests. And one of the things that we, categories of guests that we like to bring on the program are the, the Shabab, especially those who love the deen and who are into the deen. Because that's what, that's the energy that Allah brings, the youth. It's energy. Okay? We brought in a Hafiz of Quran who won the competition in Minnesota, Shatabi. Uh, competition and now we bring Jan Ryskowski did I say it right most people most people tell me they talk to me and they said I, I, sorry for if I didn't get your name right now I'm, it's flipped now so is it Jan first of all yeah yeah it's, it's Jan and then it's Richkowski Richkowski mashallah let's talk first thing about your background where are you streaming from right now at this moment? Right now, uh, South Yorkshire, England. In England, okay. But are you British, essentially, in uh, your upbringing? I was raised by uh, Polish parents, but I've lived in Britain all of my life. Okay, so if, if, uh, effectively, in terms of culture, you're British. Yeah, basically. By yeah. culture. Okay, good, good. Because the way that you got on our radar here is that somebody said, hey, listen, uh, check out this young man. He's got a nice video about meditation. So I looked at it. It actually put a smile on my face a couple of times. You made a couple of jokes that were pretty good. Um, and it got me thinking, well, we need to talk about meditation because it is something that's out there in the world. Uh, and it, we have, it's out there in the world because people find a benefit. Yes. People find a benefit does not mean that all of it's beneficial. It may not all be beneficial, right? Uh, and there may be something that we ex will accept and will not accept, right? So anything that's out there in the world, it's because people find it useful. If people find it useful, now we'll assess it and put it in the scale of the sharia, right? And Allah Ta'ala has the final word. We're lucky that we believe in transmission, not just experimentation. And the truth has been transmitted to us, so we have a referee. So this, that's going to be my first question. What exactly... Uh, uh, got you interested in meditation, and uh, and were you into this before entering Islam or after? Um, I would say uh, I unofficially became Muslim before I started meditating, but I wasn't fully practicing, and I didn't know anything. I didn't know there was any correlations or that, that it was forbidden, but basically I just uh, I found on YouTube that uh, meditation is good for you about two years ago. So I started meditating uh almost every day and I found a lot of benefit from it and then recently when I started to become more practicing and I started to learn more I kind of realized that uh, some Muslims are cool with meditation and others uh, find it uh, haram so I was confused about it so I decided to research it and then I made my video which uh, doesn't really come to any conclusion because I'm still confused about whether I should or I shouldn't meditate. All right. Well, why don't we discuss this? The first thing when we have to talk about something is we've got to define the word. And terminology that's made up as opposed to terminology from the Quran, for example. Terminology of the Quran is fixed. Its meaning is what it meant to the, to the Prophet and the companions, right? And in the Arabic language. But when we make up a term, we have a saying that says, 
There's no need to argue about terms. Why? Because we make up the terms, right? So meditation, when we talk about it, then we need to define it, all right? So is would you did you come upon a definition that you found was the like yeah i feel like the i don't know if this is like the objective truth but in my opinion uh i think that meditation just means focusing on one thing and uh, going back to that one thing when you get distracted okay so so that's a decent summary uh a definition it's to put your mind set your mind on one thing why it calms your mind and it makes allows you to focus so now the question really that by in itself should have nothing wrong with it in the sharia the question becomes um what is it that a person is focusing on and how are they focusing okay are they focusing to someone playing the guitar is that what triggers their focus well there's going to be discussion about that because string instruments are unlawful for us as Muslims, right? In the majority, it's not, I'm not going to say it's something that has a ijma'ah, uh, but it is the dominant opinion of all the madhabs. It's forbidden. Yeah. Uh, then we're going to talk about what is the focal, focal point of our meditation? Are we meditating upon our, what are we meditating upon, mm-hmm. right? So that's one of the problems I see in the world today. What do you think about that? Like people today, they like to talk about meditating. Mindfulness, thankfulness, gratitude, but to whom is the question? What do you think so, about that? The meditation. Uh, usually I only see people uh, focusing on their breath or focusing on sounds around them. And then some people focus on uh, like, what's it called? Like mantras. They repeat things to themselves, like affirmations, things like that. Uh so that's that's what I see of um, meditation and what people meditate on. But I'm aware that uh, the prophet, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm aware that the prophet meditated so, so. on the greatness of Allah and his attributes, and that's called murakaba, right? So that's a great way to put it. There can be a meditation that is at best halal, right? Meditation upon something that is neither forbidden or satanic, nor is it, Zikrillah, not remembrance of Allah. Water. Type. Everyone calms themselves down in a different way, right? Some people take a walk. Some people want to do that. Okay. At mess, we could. At worst, we could just say it's halal, right? That's it. Um, then meditation upon affirmations or statements to oneself also is a statement, good or bad, right? What is the nature of the statement? Of course, meditation, it goes without say that meditation upon a God uh, is that we don't even need to discuss that. Of course, that's forbidden, right? And then finally, the the greatest of all meditations is going to be upon, or again, meditation being defined as focusing my, my attention upon something, upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, even that has a discussion. Because we are not allowed to think about the essence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the that. We are allowed to think about and encouraged to think about his attributes. Why? Because the that is infinite and we can never understand it. And if you try to lift an infinite weight, you're going to break your back. And break it like, you're going to become a kafir, right? Abu Bakr said this, right? But 
Sayyidina Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala to think about the attributes of Allah, to think about his promises of Jannah and his promises of this world, his threats of this world and the next life. So that's where meditation becomes what you can call muraqaba or you could call dhikr al-qalb, the remembrance of the heart. And I think it's something that all human beings will naturally at some point do at some level. It's what separates us from animals, right? Yeah. So how did you, what, who, who came about, how did someone come about telling you it's haram? Pardon? You said somebody, they told you it's haram. Meditation. Yeah. In what um, sense is it haram? The same sense that I mentioned said, said it's haram? So no one told, a person didn't tell me. I, I Googled it myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I found on YouTube that, um, do you know who Asim Al Hakim is? This uh, of course everyone does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he said that meditation is haram because the Hindus and the Buddhists do it. Yeah. So that was uh, where I found out that some people uh, have that view. Yeah, meditation upon their gods, right? But and maybe sitting in their manner because now you're entering the discouraged fields of imitating a non-believer, right? or wearing an orange sash or put your hands like this, then, yeah, you become imitating a non-believer, right? Uh, in a religious matter. Is imitating a non-believer in a worldly matter, it would be less so of an issue, right? But imitating a non-believer on a worldly, in, in a religious matter or a spiritual matter, that becomes for us heavily discouraged and could even be prohibited. But the, so that's why when someone answers, you got to define what the word is, right? Meditation on what and how? Okay. So the meditation, and, and then when you realize, oh, we have that, it's called muraqaba. Then you realize, well, why do I need to say meditation? I'll say muraqaba, right? Like many people, they said uh, there were Muslim socialists. I've heard people say Muslim uh, feminists. So I said, okay, well, what is a Muslim socialist? He says he practices the aspects of Islam that focus on the poor. Okay, what else? And I said, what are you adding to Islam? He's like, no, no, I'm not adding anything to Islam. Okay, then why don't you just call it Islam? Why call it a Muslim socialist, right? So that's what ends up happening and what ends up that Muslims end up rejecting all these things. They end up rejecting the terminology. But when you bring the thing that is inherent in Islam and acceptable and recommended, right, from that f- external phenomenon, then you just use that term, right? Muraqaba. Dhikrillah, right? And the word meditation itself may have that connotation of Hinduism and Buddhism, but in itself, I think everyone at some point has to clean out their mind and hone it in on one thing. Those things, the benefit of focusing upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is infinitely greater than just focusing upon anything else of this world, right? And really to the point that we'd say, yeah, it's a waste of time. If you have Allah, then what's your business focusing on anything else? Now, let me tell you how, to, how we would meditate upon the creation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, look, let's say, look, in general, Allah says, look at the creation. But the ayah, you have to finish those ayat, the verses. He says, look at the creation, how Allah fashioned it. Yeah. Do you not examine the matter? How Allah created it. So it's not, I'm, I'm thinking about the sky and, phys- and, and the st- solar system. I'm thinking about that is a lead to how Allah created it. So it doesn't end there, right? 
that's the difference between when we go out in nature and someone who doesn't believe goes out in nature. You go out in nature and you arrived at an amazing thing, but you stop there. Right? We say, arrived amazing, and we know it's maker. Okay, how it's created. All right, any other questions on uh, meditation before we move on to your portion? Um, I think, yeah, I think that's basically all I needed to know about meditation. You, you cleared up a lot of things, uh, and you, I just have this question. So, sure. uh, do you believe that if I, if someone was were to sit in a different way, in a way that the Buddhists and the Hindus don't do it, and they were to only focus on their breath or the sound of the wind, mm -hmm. is that not prohibited? No, that would just be permissible. Okay. Let's say it's after a long day. Some people want to unwind by doing that. Other people want to shoot buckets, right? Play basketball, oh. right? Other people want to watch soccer. Everyone relaxes themselves their own in a way that's different, and that's just halal, just sit silently and observe the, the grass and the trees. Well, what would be wrong with that, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's all I needed to know about meditation. Thank you for the uh, those insights. You're welcome. Now, we're going to take you now as our Dawa correspondent out in England. Tell us the scene out there, how you entered Islam. This is your part to talk now. Mm -hmm. uh, how you entered Islam, what's the scene out there in the Dawa? Um, if you're in uh, maybe school, how did that go about? Family, How did, if you're comfortable talking about that, how did that... Yeah, yeah go about because it could be an inspiration to others out there listening okay so first i'll talk about how i found islam myself so uh around two years ago um used to use instagram a lot right and on my instagram sometimes i'd get uh posts from um like islamic dawah uh creators you know uh <clears throat> just posts about islam and religion and I started to like them. So I, were, I was liking them and I was saving them. And then obviously because I was liking and saving these posts, the algorithm gave me more, right? So I started to learn more and more and more about Islam. And then eventually I started to like watch Ali Dawah and uh, Muslim content creators. And I started to realize that I believe in Islam. So I unofficially converted two years ago. And by that, I mean that I, I believed in Islam and I started implementing some Islamic things, like I stopped eating pork. Uh, I'm not sure what else I stopped doing, but uh, I stopped doing some things and I started doing uh, like dua, for example. And it continued like that for about two years. You know, whenever I had a thought about uh, Islam, I just kind of Google it. Um, whenever I had a question, I just check YouTube. And over the course of two years, I just, learn a little bit more about Islam each week and each day and each month. And eventually it was uh, Ramadan of this year and uh, I was fasting, right? And I started to learn a lot more about Islam. I started reading the Quran on this app and I took the Shahada uh, after Eid. Lord. And I realized um, I need to start implementing more uh, Islam into my life because I wasn't praying. I didn't even know how to pray, so I got this book actually from a mosque, from a masjid. Uh, the Prophet's prayer. I don't know if you've seen it. It's called Gifts for Muslims, and it's, uh, 
it's, it's basically got the prayers, right? When the prayers are, and it's got uh, diagrams on how to pray. So That's I use this, learn how to pray. And since uh, I took the Shahada, I've been, you know, researching Islam heavily. And then I started this YouTube channel. And obviously, through this YouTube channel, I learned a lot about Islam and, you know, what I should be doing correctly. Um, and yeah, so that's basically how I got from uh, not being a Muslim to being a Muslim now. Before I was a Muslim, uh, I was raised uh, Christian. So I went to a Christian uh, primary school, which is like from four to ten years old or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then I went to a Christian high school. So Christianity was like deeply in my brain and I believed in God, but I stopped believing in Christianity uh, after I was very young. I became an atheist because Christianity uh, didn't really make sense, right? Uh, and then, yeah, I found Islam and I realized, yeah, Islam is the truth. Okay. Uh, what about your friend circle? How did that drive with your friend circle? So my friends have always, because uh, obviously I've been, uh, labeling myself a Muslim for two years, right? So it's been like they knew uh, that I was Muslim. Like they knew I called myself Muslim, but they didn't take it seriously because obviously I didn't practice it much. I, I just didn't eat pork, but I did many other haram things that are uncharacteristic of a Muslim. So they didn't take it seriously. But eventually I started to uh, incorporate Islam more into my life. And I started to tell my friends about things like they would sometimes I would refuse to uh, come out with them or sometimes I'd refuse to do something and I'd say uh, yeah it's because this is haram or I prefer to do this halal thing instead and actually uh, the friends I was at the time the friends I was with at the time were Islamophobic I, I came to find out they asked me uh, questions like they they even googled like uh, proof Islam doesn't exist or, you know, just Islamophobic things. And they, they asked me questions about that. And I didn't always have answers because obviously I wasn't really uh, knowledgeable. So they kind of used that kind of stuff against me. And yeah, they were just being Islamophobic. And at the time I was lonely. Uh, apart from them, I had no other friends. So I was kind of stuck with Islamophobic friends. But uh, Alhamdulillah, I've cut them off now. Usually... Um... When a person does something and they get strong at it, something new, especially a belief. In the beginning, there's no resistance because they're like a little sapling that would be destroyed. But, or their, their will, their desire would be destroyed. But as they get stronger, one of the best way, the, the common ways in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala strengthens a person is by putting up resistance, Right. And that yes. resistance comes usually when, with somebody who, uh, when somebody is strong enough to handle the resistance and from somebody who tends to have a type of ugly character, right? Such that you're not so worried about disappointing them, right? As opposed to, unlike someone's like, their, their, their mother may be the soft side. They never want to disappoint their mom. But then let's say there's a grandpa or an uncle who's rough and you don't really like them in the first place, but you're stuck with them and he just keeps hacking away at you 
And you keep hacking back, but you don't know how to hack back. So every time that person then attacks you, I'm going to go research. And you're trying to shut them down, but in reality, this is a tool by which Allah is making you study. And actually question whether or not you're serious, right? And then, it's, and then you start getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger, right? Until you're self-motivated to just study on your own and you don't need that anymore. Then that person lays off you or you just go somewhere else and they're somewhere else. So maybe you had something like that happen with you and your friends. Yeah, I actually completely relate to that because I had the same exact stuff with my friends. And actually, uh, I went to Poland and I went to see my granddad and he found out that I'm Muslim. So he started telling me a bunch of, uh, things that he thought were bad about Islam. But the thing is, at the time, I didn't know what he was talking about with some of these things. So I didn't know if they were fabricated by him or someone told him something that isn't true or if he's misunderstanding something because I just didn't know about this. Mm. So uh, after I came back from Poland, I thought, all right, I've, I've got to start researching more about Islam so I can actually uh, defend uh, this, you know, I can, so I can actually defend my religion and... That is what happens. So I'm very, I'm actually mm. very grateful for the, the vast amount of people who have, uh, you know, went against me yeah. and my beliefs because it strengthened me a lot. Uh, we have some friends, um, uh, and they have family from places like Poland, Slovakia, um, Russia. Uh, they're extremely like they're very religious. They're Catholics that are very religious, right? And so. That actually, it's a plus and a minus. The plus side of it is that those kids grew up in very clean homes, right? Their hearts and minds are clean. Like, they don't mess around. And they have stable families. And, they ha and those kids come out with an appreciation of a concept of faith. They may not know what the faith is, but it's a concept of faith. When they enter Islam, they enter in fine because everything, it's almost like tightened what was loose right give the answered question that they didn't that christianity didn't answer however the bad side of it is that when your opponent is just a non-believer it's one thing it's easy to brush them off but when your opponent is a believer in another faith it's really hard because for them it's really hard now the atheist if if, if you have atheist parents and you become muslim you've made a bad political choice that's it but if you're a Christian or a Catholic or some uh, Protestant or what have you, and then your kid becomes Muslim, you are thinking to yourself, that's eternal damnation. So the motivation of a Christian to save his son is far stronger than the motivation of an atheist to pull his son back, right? Mm -hmm. So you think that you, you touched upon anything like that and as uh, from a Polish background? Um, I think... I definitely had something similar with my grandma. Uh, my grandma who lives in uh, Poland, she's Christian and she's actually probably one of the most like nicest people I know, to mm. be honest. But she's uh, quite sad about me being a Muslim because she has the same thoughts that you just told me about. Like she, yeah. she thinks that I'm wrong and she thinks that she's right. So she thinks that um, I'm like wasted, wasting potential by becoming a Muslim because she doesn't know about the good sides of it. But yeah. it's really only her because um, my dad, I think he's atheist or like agnostic or something. So he doesn't really protest it that much because he has nothing, 
nothing to save me from because he doesn't really believe in hell. Yeah. And my mum's Christian, but like not very practicing. And I believe she has the the belief that as long as you're a good person, you go to heaven. Okay. That a lot of people. Yeah, a lot, yeah, of, a lot people. of people take that approach. Yeah, so, so that's good. So you don't actually have much issue inside your home. That's really good for because a lot of converts they do struggle with that. I um, I, yeah. I have uh I live with a, my other grandma, who's my mum's mum. The other one, the the good one is my dad's mum. Right. Mm. The one I live with uh is Islamophobic, highly Islamophobic, and my uncle's kind of Islamophobic. But um, the thing is. My grandma, who I live with, is Islamophobic, but she's also like, uh, um, my entire family views her as crazy, so mm. I don't really like have to defend anything from her because she will have, you know, she'll find a different pathway to criticize Islam, even if I explain every single thing she's yeah. going against. And she just creates like uh, illogical arguments, which don't even need to be argued with, yeah. you know? So when people attacked you by asking questions or telling you about things that are in Islam that you didn't really know the answer to or didn't know if it was true or false, tell me what are some of, what were some of the hard questions that you had to dig and research and maybe even couldn't even tell them the truth about because yeah, of their so, level of disgust on the thing. So uh, one of them was the topic of slavery. Um, they somehow stumble upon the fact that uh, Islam doesn't fully, uh, you know, um, what's the word? Doesn't fully prohibit slavery, right? They found that out, and I I didn't know about that at the time, so I tried to, you know, quickly uh, stumble for an answer. And they were saying like, uh, you know, Islam's so bad. Why are you? Why are you allowed to have slaves? That's uh, that's wrong. And then they also found out, they also said that you're allowed to have sex slaves, apparently. I still don't know if that's true or not. I'm not fully sure about that. But yeah, I didn't know how to answer these questions about slavery at the time. Mm. But now obviously I know a lot more about it. Um, and I think another one was, another one was music and just a lot of things like music, video games, uh drugs alcohol all of these things finding out that those things are haram made them think okay so you can't have fun in islam and that's one of the things that they said a lot and they criticized a lot well all of those things are the sort of the second and tertiary level ish things did they ever discuss the root of what islam is that the there was a prophet that is true like, isn't um, that, that would be the, the more initial uh, aspect to be examined. I mean, they didn't really uh, talk about that a lot. They, they insulted him um, in a very surface level, because obviously these were immature people. So coming up with sound, logical arguments mm. would not be commonplace. Yeah. So, you know, they just kind of insulted the prophet. They They said... I'm going to punch Allah in the face. Oh, so. uh, <laughs> one of the things they said was that. So these are, these are not, this is not your dad and your grandpa. This is some uh, fools on the street in your school. Uh, yeah. People I used to play uh, video games with. Oh, okay. Okay. 
No, tell me something because I don't. This didn't exist in my day. Uh, you guys could probably pitch in. Um, like all video games are online these days, right? Everything is online, right? And you're always playing. You're never playing against a computer anymore. You're always playing against a person, right? Usually, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and the, uh, with the voice chats and all those, and then you uh, you just uh, arrange with your friends to get on at the same time, and that's how people have a whole circuit of friends that they've never seen and they don't even see their face, right? But they're shooting together and playing games together, right? So, um, are you are, are you tight with people like that in that in the game world? Mm, no, I I only really played games with people I knew in real life because okay. I always knew that uh, an online uh, friendship doesn't last long. You know, yeah. it's not as strong as a real life friendship. So, what is the DAO scene like? Are you? Do you find yourself now with a cohort of other people who became Muslim at the same time that you're like a crew, or are you like all by yourself? Because the crew is really important. So yeah, unfortunately, I don't have many. Uh, I don't have any Muslim friends right now. I do have one um i'd say he's an acquaintance because i like him but we don't speak much but he's the person who took me to uh, the masjid for the first time Zach. Mm. but yeah apart from him i really don't have anyone else here and i think that might be partly because i uh i come from a a christian school mm. so the most uh there's not many muslims there and the muslims that are there are probably not very practicing because you know, they have parents who took them to a Christian school, so yeah. it's unlikely that they're... Yeah. Well, what about the local masjid? Aren't there youth yeah. there? Uh, yeah, the local masjid. Um, there is youth there, but I don't... I Honestly, I don't really go up to them and speak to them because usually I, I go to the masjid, I pray, I listen to the khutbah, and then I uh, go back home because mm. I don't really have the confidence to speak to new people. Yeah. What there's so there are you into any uh, sports at all? Because that's probably a great way to meet. Uh, guys. Oh yeah, I used to do uh, martial arts a lot, uh, and I go to the gym, but I don't really do like you know football, basketball, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So uh, uh so there's your town is what York, you said. South Yorkshire is the is the general province that I live at. South Yorkshire. So. Um, so it seems that the South Yorkshire Muslim youth uh, scene, they got to up their game, right? Like, they don't even get together for anything? No, they probably do, but I'm just not part of it. Yeah. yeah. So, because in California, a lot of friends who became Muslims, such as uh, Othman Ames, the Munshid, when these guys came, became Muslim, and, and Osama Kenan, Rahimullah, uh, it just happened that a whole bunch of friends became Muslim and a bunch of guys became Muslim and latched on. And suddenly you had the huge convert population, huge by meaning like 10 to 15. Well, back in the late nineties, that was unheard of anywhere else. And what happened was that a group of, of, of guys in San Diego became Muslim, a group of guys in the Bay area became Muslim and Sheikh Hamza was the linchpin. They all went to study with him because that was what made sense, right? Someone who was also a convert, right? That's what made sense, right? So uh, they then um, were around him, 
when they rolled as four, five, six, seven, eight guys, anyone who was slightly interested in Islam, now there's a cool group of guys here, and it just snowballed, right? And it became huge, massive, right? So that's what I was wondering if if that's happening where you are in uh, in North England. I would but honestly, it, I would yeah. love for that to happen, but uh, not yet. But inshallah, um, yeah, inshallah. Soon I'll That's find good. some more reverts. Um, so how far is South Yorkshire from Cambridge, for example? Uh, I'll actually, I'll Google it. Uh, Manchester, huh? Hmm. Well, while he's looking that up, Kenneth, Kenneth Leachman has the same situation, does not know many Muslims near where you are. Where, where do you live, Kenneth? And then we have a fellow European here, Maliki Click, right? Yeah. Oh, Our, I love Maliki Click. Oh, my yes. goodness. Watching. Yep, he's watching. Oh, my goodness. I love yep. your videos, bro. I was yep. just watching your truck video. You hear that, Maliki Click? <laughs> I love this guy. I really wanted to speak to him. So hook up with Maliki Click. Uh, get, get in touch with him, and he'll talk to you, and he'll hang out with you. Yeah, I've been watching him for months. He was... Yeah. One of the uh, the people who strengthened my faith. And, Mashallah. Excellent. Yeah, I found him through the three Muslims who I also kind of want to speak to them too. Who are they? Three. It's a podcast? Uh, it's, who are they? Yeah, yeah. Just regular brothers talking? Uh, so yeah. you see this is useful, right? Connecting people to each other. Mashallah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Madiki clicks it specifically, you know, broski. Okay, you want to talk, fellow Europeans together. Um, I figured, what's him call it? Um, maybe Cambridge is near you, and you're an intellectual guy, and you would like to see Abdul Hakim Murad and so, hang out with them. I live about two and a half hours away from Cambridge by car. Whoa, yeah, that's quite far. That's quite far. Mm-hmm. And okay, you know what else may be next to you? Um, there's Manchester, there's, what's that other? Bradford. Bradford, there are, there are, there's a center that has the most probably convert friendly that we know of, right? What is it called? Mustafa Mount. It's Greensville Trust, but Mustafa Mount. Look up Mustafa Mount and Uh, see if they have events. Uh, Mustafa Mount would be M-U-S-T-A-F-A. And the second oh, yeah, word, I found, I found it. So, I'll have a yeah. I'll write that down somewhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah oh, I love Mustafa Mount and the people there. Who? Sheikh Ibrahim OCF is in charge of that. Although he lives in Liverpool, but he comes down. They have other events. They have a huge campus. They have a beautiful coffee shop, right up because they purchased a college essentially, and it's a gorgeous college, and uh, they have events there. And let me tell you something. Um, you got to go this month when they have these these celebrations of the Prophet's birthday. Okay. They have a celebration of the Prophet's birth. That's in a few days. That's in a few days. You go to Mustafa Mount, check their website, see when they're having their event. Mm-hmm. And you're going to oh, love the event. Like a, like a little, uh, what kind of event is this? They, they have talks. They sing praises of the Prophet, peace be upon him. And they probably have some dinner afterwards. And see that place, Mustafa Mount, has a convert, like a friendly approach to it. 
as opposed to many other masajid in England that were established by a certain culture. So they tend to lean towards that culture. So maybe subcontinent um, in West London, Algerian, other masajid, Somalian, other masajid, Bengali, right? And so, but this, uh, uh, it's really like they're more of a open, you know, uh, center, but they're also founded in knowledge and their theme that goes through them in their everything they do is the love of the prophet, peace be upon him, because that's the greatest motivator, right? It's the greatest motivator of the companions, right? And some say, well, it's the Quran. Of course it's the Quran, but how many of the Sahaba memorize the Quran, right? How can you imitate the Quran, right? The Quran doesn't walk, eat, go and fight. No, the prophet fight. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, we sent you a book and a light. So the book is the guide that we recite and we honor more than anything else. And the light is whom we follow in our day-to-day life. So when you go to Mustafa Mount, what you're going to see there, the emphasis that take note of is there the centrality of the prophet in their day-to-day life and imitating him, being like him and love of the prophet and how the salah and salam on the prophet is literally a medicine. It's a medicine, right? It's medicine. We have spiritual medicine. We, we need to spread this to people because they don't have uh, the medicines that we have. They have a soul and a body, and they don't know where to take it when it breaks down. And they're just reaching for stuff. Yeah, they don't have any soul food. They don't have any food for their soul. I'm walking around in these days, and I'm just seeing people really sadly descending their appearance. You can see, like the descent. Searching for something. Hard, searching hard can't find anything so one of the things people are searching for these days is literally to look demonic they believe that that's gonna maybe give them something i really really got to spread this message and so if you go to mustafa mount go and take your friends take your family um and you know what you're gonna when when is their event did it say um so no, that I, I didn't check when it is but uh so do you think they would accept um a non-muslim being there just to look around because I don't have Muslim family. Yeah, they would for sure. These people, 100%. Because let me tell you something. The education, the base of education from this group at Mustafa Mount is a, a group of people that, it's not a group of people, it's a massive uh, heritage. It's a heritage from Yemen who pride themselves as being the ones who took Islam to all around the world. Indonesia. Is all Muslim because of them, because of the Yemeni people, South Yemen, West India, all of East Africa entered Islam four, three, four, five hundred years ago because of the South Yemenis, okay? The Ba'alawi people, okay? It's like a heritage. It's not just like a small group, it's a heritage over centuries, right? So Mustafa Mount is basically a build it's a it's an institution established on that spirit so when someone enters islam the best place for them to go is mustafa mount because their they, their number one priority is is love of the prophet their number two priority is spread that to non-muslims bring them in and how do they do this what is what is their focus humility 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 and emulation of the prophet like they focus on humility more than anything else, because people don't like to be around other arrogant people, right? Like, you're going to bring someone new in Islam. The worst thing is to bring them to someone who's going to pass a judgment on this, right, on them. 
look down on them or not be considerate, right? Like start telling, oh, don't do this, don't do that. But you're not being considerate. The person doesn't even know anything. Like they're new. So inshallah, uh, someone out there tell us if they have a date for, um, for their event, that would be amazing, right? So that... Um, so that they have something and it may be on zoom too but you know we want this brother to be able to go there right. what's the name of um the prophet's birthday uh, the prophets they the event would be called maulid the event would be called maulid no it's further someone saying you're keeping company no i don't know why but I, uh, it's I not showing up huh all right so they'll they'll, they'll bring it up inshallah what 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 uh, what tap chat is this? Who? Who made this this WhatsApp chat? Could I say one we, thing? What's up chat? Uh, You're on it and I'm not? <laughs> say again? If Maliki uh, Click is um, watching, yeah. uh, could you like email me and then we can maybe talk or something? Maliki Click, we will... Um, we have your email address. So I'll have Omar connect you guys. How's that? Oh, uh, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. And he'd probably want to have you on and talk and stuff too. Mm-hmm. All right, someone here is saying that if you meet them at Mustafa Mount, they'll keep you company and make sure that everything goes smoothly. Okay, yeah, yeah that's that's nice then. Now, how, so, how, how do you study your religion now at this point? How, how do, do you I... study Islam now? Um, so do you mean, do I have some kind of like regimen or do you mean like what do i look for to study islam like yeah do you have have you like uh focused in and ended up saying all right this is who i'm gonna study from that's what i'm gonna study um unfortunately i've not i've not started reading like hadiths and that if you're if that's what you're uh talking about and i've not really been started any uh reading any uh islamic books by you know muslims let me tell you something. I think you're going to love this. You got to get this book. I'm going to give you two rec- book recommendations. I give this book recommendation about once a week. I don't have any stock in it. What's it called? Get it. It's called The Divine for Critical Minds. Inquiry into God's Existence. And it discusses several, several uh, subject matters related to um, doubts, many subjects related to people's doubts etc mm-hmm. let me give you another book this one here navigating the write that down navigating the end of time oh wait a second no, no. oh okay I, I wanted it was something else but get this book anyway too because we are in the end of time mm-hmm. right and this, this strengthens your book that i was considering to read called the productive muslim by i think muhammad farid or something. yeah that's a great book but it's not like um that's like for help in life yeah those, cause those are the kinds of books that i'm interested in like because i've read atomic habits and deep work and it's yeah. like the same genre if you know what i mean yeah so that's a bridge to the islamic version of those things and, yeah. and those things when you read those things you become better at life in general right uh, mm-hmm. here is another book this is the heavy book uh, maybe it's too heavy right this is maybe too heavy i would say right but Honestly, I think if you if you read this book on the divine, take take a look, the divine for critical minds, 
or critical minds. Uh, yeah, the divine for critical minds. It's written in very easy language and it covers really important things. It's not just about atheism. It's about the prophet, peace be upon him. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, I will definitely consider uh, reading it very soon. Yeah. So this book will probably cost you maybe like um, 28 quid because it's uh, it's a hardcover so, uh, book. You see here that it's $62 apparently. Whoa. So that first. Yeah, that makes it what, 44 quid? Yeah. About 50. Uh, yeah, 50. but I don't want to screw the author. <laughs> Say again. 50 quid? 50 quid hardcover. But yeah. I think I could definitely get um, uh, the softer one. Soft cover. Yeah, soft good. cover for a lot cheaper. Good, good. Well, look, this was really nice talking to you. And mm -hmm. if anything goes down in, in, in North England, right? All right, uh, you're going to be our, our correspondent. We'll call, we'll contact you again, and we'll talk. Okay, Inshallah. thank you. Can I? I'll just say one thing. Yes, sure. Uh, the the brother who said that he'll meet me for that um, event. Yep. Please email me. Uh, my email address is under my under the name of my YouTube channel. Okay, good. Very yeah. good. Under the name of his YouTube channel, you can get his email address. And then maybe perhaps, for example, you're driving down. You could drive down as a group. Well, hopefully you don't get kidnapped and killed. But if he's on this live stream, he will not be doing that, inshallah ta'ala. All right? And it, on this live stream, we don't attract that kind of crowd. Uh, but inshallah, we only attract people who really want to do something good. So uh, you never know uh, who you're going to meet in terms of opening doors for you and what you're going to see at Mustafa Mount. I really hope that you can make it there. They do have an event every day of this month of Rabi al-Awwal, probably for the first 12 days that's coming up, right? And so just keep uh, banging around, looking around, pecking around for Mustafa Mount events, and you'll see it coming up. It's It'll probably be a huge event, inshallah. Okay, yeah, thank you. I'll make sure to look around for that. Okay, uh, all right, let's stay in touch, inshallah. Uh, thanks for coming on, and thank good luck on me. your... Uh, may Allah give you tawfiq on your channel. All right. Thank and you, may Allah you. bless your work and bless your path. Inshallah, may Allah make many people benefit from you. Inshallah, inshallah. All right, All right yeah, I'll see you uh, soon, maybe one day again. Yeah, if uh, you ever uh, take a visit to New York, we're only 45 minutes away. Oh, yeah. I, all right. Yeah, I'll make good. sure I do that. All right. Inshallah. Nice talking to you then. Uh, Likewise. Take care. Uh, yeah, you can go. You can go now, and Omar will will connect you with Maliki Click. Yeah. Yeah, Omar will email them, and Maliki Click. Let me let me get his email right now. Let me text him right now. Sure. Yeah, no problem. We'll email you, inshallah. Inshallah. See you later. Okay. Take care, man. Assalamualaikum. Oh, I don't know that show. All right, it's 2.30. Let's go back to what we were talking about. Um, Arcview. Like, we are seriously want to make this an, a serious academy. We're, like, doubling down on it here. Let's get the posters going. You know, we get the whole that gold thing out of there and just put the just the poster. That's it. Yeah, in the, in the side. Huh? No, expand it the same size that you have and just push it over. Forget that other gold thing. Yeah, just cover it. Yeah, there you go, all the way to the corner. First of all, as you're going to see here, let's take a look here. Look at the gorgeous uh, 
Look at the gorgeous graphic designs here. Have you seen graphic designs this good before? Personally, I haven't seen any graphic design this good before. Okay. All right. Should we give a shout out to one who made it? Or should we keep him a secret? And then we're going to do the bios of all the teachers that are coming on. Because we have new teachers coming on. Okay. But let's talk about this first. Plus, ArcView Plus. Uh, Madikis. Metzinil Izzia will be taught by Muhammad Ali of Georgetown. Okay. And Madiki Fiqh on ArcView Plus. We now enter Mu'amalat interactions. All right. You can sign up for all this at arcview.org. Okay. And we've divided up, uh, we've divided up into four tracks, plus basic Arabic and kids. Quran is not a track by itself, Quran, the, but the Quran we now have hivs of Quran for kids. Okay, we now have hivs of Quran for kids. Swipe to the next one. Okay, and here is the Arabic one in which Sheikh Mahdi Lak has taken over the, our our program. He is the head of the department of Arabic, right? He's the head of the department of Arabic. And he's going to give you an Arabic beginner, intermediate, and advanced classes. Okay? Mahdi Lak, arcview.org. Haven't I been saying for a long time that we're revamping the whole operation, right? And we are now, there will now be examinations, record keeping of who, like you can take the, the, the course and not take the exam. That's up to you, right? But, if you're serious and you want to study, there's an exam, we take the exam. And the people who take the exams will probably get a little bit more attention, right? Uh, let's take a look at the next slide here. These are the four tracks. Again, basic, kids, plus, and Arabic. All right, the kids, plus, and Arabic are all uh, set at $40 a month. It's essentially free, I would say that. Basic is only $10 a month, right? I mean, we should be giving you money at this rate. Right? If we continue any more of this, we'll be give giving you money to study. But $10 a, a, uh, and you will come out with a very strong foundation of Aqidah. Okay? You will come out with very strong foundation of fiqh in the ibadat. Okay? And then we have other classes in tasawwuf. All the tasawwuf is in the basic. Even though some of it, like qawadah tasawwuf, should probably be RQ plus, to be honest. We've got to move that. Qawad tasawuf is not easy. And it, it assumes a lot of things, right? It assumes things. So Qawad tasawuf will move that. But you'll get your fundamentals of reading the books of Imam al-Haddad and some of the books of Imam al-Ghazali, etc. The kids, I think, is one of the most important ones because we're now offering hifs four times a week online with Hafid Junaid. Okay. And we're now offering one of our most popular courses by Sister Hada Amr. Right? She teaches fiqh, and she likes that middle school age. Like, mature enough, but they're still being formed. Neither high school, neither little kids. That middle age, right? And maybe really starting to get into high school. Her class is one of the most popular classes because she cares. She puts in effort. Slideshows, presentations, right? How do we teach the classes? Most times, the sheikh, the teacher... We'll put a PDF on the screen, and we'll just read through it. Like usually the, the the Arabic PDF, and we'll read through it. Okay. Sometimes there isn't an Arabic PDF though. Sometimes they have slides in English, mm -hmm. like with subtitles, etc. So that's the uh, really important um, portion of our program. 
All right, next slide. Someone's asking a question is, uh, will RQ Plus still have access to basic like before? Yes, of course. Plus always has activate, but what we removed out of it, we pulled out the Arabic because it needs special attention. We pulled out the kids because they are a special group. That's essentially the, the difference, mm -hmm. right? And if you're, if you're in the old arc view, plus or basic, you need real quick, do it now before you think, unsubscribe from the old one and then resubscribe to the new one because it's different. The software companies that we're dependent upon them, whether we like it or not, right? They, they, they did something good, but they didn't finish the job, okay? What was a good thing they did is that in the past, in order to put a series of classes together, you had to create a course and latch on other courses to it, right? Now they said, okay, no, now you can make a bundle and you could tack on all the courses to that and it's easier to deal with. So fine, we did that. Now, what is the next logical question? What is the feature that migrates all the students from the first bundle to the new bundle? Oh, sorry, we didn't develop that yet. Why do you have to drive us crazy, right? Now I have to bother all my students and all the members of ArcView to unsubscribe and then resubscribe, right? Uh, and I have to apologize to the students, right? Because they're the ones who, they made an upgrade, but there's no way to, so you get a new cell phone. Can I move my contacts over? No, you got to type them out from scratch. Is that called talk? Right? That's what we say in Egypt. Okay, uh, is 16 considered a kid? 16, um, you're, on the, you're in the cusp. It depends on your past experience and maturity level. So you may want to go to basic and you may want to go to kids. So you could try out. Uh, uh, but if you want hifz of Quran, you go to the kids program. Yeah. Okay. So the kids program I really like because uh, you have to invest in the future. Okay. All right, next one. Uh, plus, we discussed that. What's next? Next one, Quran, we discussed that. What about the teachers? Can we put some of their picks up? Or you, you still have to download them? Okay, so get them. We'll talk. We'll to start taking Q&A. All right, you can, uh, in the meantime, we'll take Q&A. In the meantime, Omar's going to put up some of the bios of our teachers because we have a lot of new teachers here, right? And we're going to have a head of a department for each subject. It's like, it's like this stuff. Yeah, that. that. Yeah, you can put them up. So I could just talk to them. So you can see faces rather than just posters. Now, in the past, uh, people were given... Um, uh, Patreons were Patreon. They were given basic arc view from way back. So the best thing would be to switch over. That would be the best thing. Switch over completely, right? And it's a cleaner. It's a cleaner way to do things. Okay. Now, by the way, you should finish arc view basic before you take plus. The plus teachers will not. I repeat, will not be reviewing basic terminology, such as shalat wujub. Okay, there's no need to explain shart wujub again. The difference between shart seh and shart wujub, right? It is not fair to the people who took the classes. So take the basic classes. This is a track. It's a track. And eventually we're going to just put entrance exams, basically. 
like a quick quiz to see if you belong there or not. Right? Like if you don't know what a shart, what difference in shart wujub and shart siha, then that's not wrong. It's like not wrong to not know something, but you belong in basic. If I can't lift 25 pounds, I shouldn't lift 125 pounds, right? So it's the same thing with knowledge. It's like math. This stuff is like math. This is objective. We're not just telling stories here, right? It's objective. So Shemsi Tamiz is going to be teaching Metin al-Iji. It's a big book, right? So Sheikh Murad teaches the preparatory Aqidah class. The preparatory texts of Aqidah are at tahawiyah he teaches then Al-Fiqh Al-Akbar by Abu Hanifa. And does he teach a third book? That's it. Those are the two preparatory texts that he teaches. Okay, then you can go after that. You can go to Matan Al-Iji. Okay, but again, uh, it is a prerequisite to take the basic classes or something similar from another organization. Okay. All right, Shifat Khan says, I'm new here, so I apologize if this has been discussed before. Do we know what the Sahaba did when the Prophet ﷺ received revelation? They watched him. They watched the revelation. And that happened a few times. And one Sahabi, Umar ibn Khattab, he asked, he knew, he wanted to see the Prophet's revelation. And then another Sahabi, when the Prophet was receiving a revelation, he went and he called him and said, here, and, the, and he looked at it and watched. They watched. Other times, the Prophet ﷺ received revelation in a different way, in an easy way, which was by talking to Jibreel ﷺ in the form of a man. There was a companion, his name was Dihya al-Kalbi. And Sayyidina Jibreel ﷺ came to the Messenger, peace be upon him, in that form, in the form of Dihya al-Kalbi. he take on the form of Dihya al-Kalbi. So many people would just think he's talking to Dihya. But in fact, he's talking to Jibreel. And at that point, Jibreel simply recites the Qur'an. The Prophet hears it and remembers it. Okay. The other ty- type of method of re- revelation was that the Messenger ﷺ would um, uh, feel a heavy heaviness and he would get hot and sweaty. And he would feel a heaviness. And it was very difficult for him to bear. And he would hear it as if the ringing of a bell. And then that would dissipate. And then he would come out and he would recite the words. So these are the two ways in which the Quran was revealed to the Prophet. The Prophet received communication from Allah in different manners that were not revelation. Like what? Dreams. Ilham. What is ilham? Ilham is the, the message from Allah enters your heart. And then he speaks it with his own words. We call that Hadith Qudsi. But it's ilham. And ilham is painless. It's just as if the message came into his heart right away. And the, the sign of an ilham is that it has no um, sequence to it. Right? So if I'm telling you a sentence, I'm telling you, let's say the sentence is 10 words. I tell you word one, word two, word three, word four, word five, up to 10. But when an ilham comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he's al-awwal wal-akhir, there's no beginning and no end. The meaning right away, all of it comes into your heart. That is one of the mark, hallmarks of ilham. Okay? And a person cannot remember like the gradation of the ilham. There's no gradation. The whole thing, meaning comes into your heart in one shot. 
Subhanallah. And I believe that the the revelation of like a bell, when the, that heavy revelation, all of the meaning came at once, not tadarujan. Yeah, but when Sayyidina Jibid recited to the Prophet, of course, he recited word by word. That's kalam al-lafzi. Kalam al-nafsi going straight in, right? Because kalam al-nafsi has no beginning, no end. Okay. Uh, someone is saying about subscribing and unsub- wait to the end of the month. Right, so if you're already on the your first, uh, you know, cycle, you can wait to the end of the month. No problem. All right, let's start looking at our teachers. Go ahead. This is Hafiz Junaid. He's our Quran teacher. He's that that is your teacher for the kids. Even if maybe an adult wants to show up, I guess nothing gonna not gonna stop them. But that's Hafiz Junaid. Okay, he will be teaching the kids, and there he his assistant will be teaching Nurani Qada for anyone who wants it. Okay, or Nurani Qada is learning the letters, how the letters connect. It's an amazing book. Next, this is Sheikh Osama Salhiya. This is te- the teacher for Shafi'i Fiqh and Jawharat Tawheed, and he also teaches as a as a on-demand course that's there, the Fiqh of Inheritance with immense slides. We did all that in COVID. That's how we spent our COVID. Slides, and he did the uh, all the inheritance on that using a text. Its name skipped my mind, but it was written by one of the Habayb of Yemen. Sheikh al-Habayb from Yemen. Okay, so that's Sheikh Hussam. And he's only an hour away from us, too. He's at uh, ICPC. In, in, in Clifton. Okay, next. And this is Sheikh Noah Saunders. I'm really looking something special here in the picture. I got to, you know, I'm going to have to talk to him about this, right? So, um, like, looking angelic in the picture. He is has been diligently teaching our students Tajweed and really graduating some students, really. He works so hard teaching them Tajweed every week now for almost two, three years. And then we ha- he, he now teaches, or right, go back for a second real quick. He also is now going to be teaching tafsir by reading Usul al-Tafsir and by reading Ibn al-Jawzi's tafsir, select surahs, Kaf, Yasin, Juz Amma, so on. Ibn al-Jawzi's tafsir. And that is a ArcView Plus class because he's going to be using the Arabic tafsir and reading from it. Our methodology for teaching hadith and tafsir and, uh, uh, and Arabic all in one in a sense is to put the Arabic PDF up and go through it word by word with the students and explain what's happening here I, for me it was one of the, my favorite things to do if I was when I'm not busy uh, anymore with the situations that I have I'm going to go back to doing that I mean I could do that for hours reading from one book to another to another plus I want to see what books you got here first of all alright next all right, this is Muzammil Ahmed from England, and he is our Hanbali fiqh teacher. Hanbali fiqh, folks. We, t- we teach, oh, by the way, I forgot to announce to you guys. Hanbali Akhira is up with Sheikh Yusuf bin Sadiq. I didn't send you the picture for that. Oh, mashallah. Oh, that kind of daughter alone. Okay, good. <laughs> Look, 
this they said from, they're from Dar al-Alum. I don't know which Dar al-Alum, but these, these are the books they gave me, right? All right. So I didn't realize that we're, in Dallas you have one? No way. It's linked to Dawah Islami. Not Dawah Islami. Yeah, we, we do um, convert to Dawah Islami. Oh, mashallah. That's in Houston. I saw it. Big, big, big pictures. Mashallah. Allahu Akbar. Oh, mashallah. Subhanallah. Excellent, excellent. These are our Ahbab and our friends. Muzammil uh, Ahmed teaches Hanbali fiqh. Matan Khukir. We don't have the picture for it, but let me read to you. Let me read to you. Um... What, hey, is it too late for me? Do you have this picture with you? You, you don't have it, right? Okay, it's okay. I'm not, I'm not going to send it to you right now. I can WhatsApp it to you? All right, good. I'll WhatsApp it to you. We'll go through the rest. And then in the meantime, you can, um, when you put it up, then I'll talk about the Hanbali Akita class because this is a serious class. I loved it. I, I, I watched the whole thing already. Yep. Yeah, I watched the whole thing already. Yeah. Oh, you got WhatsApp on laptop? On a, on a desktop? It seems like, uh, you know, every uh, all these tech developments I'm missing out on. Yep. It's been a thing, right? Yeah. It's a good thing, right? Uh, because, you know, you could just check it without being on his phone, right? Yeah. Sheikh Hasanah does not have a cell phone at all. A flip phone only. He doesn't have a smartphone. Okay. Is the kids' hips personalized? Yes. You enter the Zoom session, and the sheikh will take you. You'll recite. He'll, he'll work with you for a little bit. He'll send you back. Right? You want to do hips and come tomorrow? I know, Sala. You want to do hips and come back same day? Recite again? Maybe you didn't recite well? do that too right within the session and he has two sessions too by the way there's two sessions there's a morning session and afternoon session so when we said four four days a week but three of those days he's meeting twice a day because so it suits everybody okay so that it benefits everybody okay is metanil eg al-mawaqif says najib johnson yes it is it is al-mawaqif because he only has that one core work in Aqidah, and it's in Mawaqif. So it's also known as Matil Iji. All right, Omar, next. Mu'in Sayyid, he teaches, you know Mu'in, he, the, the, the head of, he's going to kill me for putting this picture up, by the way. Yes, he's got his, like, uh, professional photograph. Fast forward so the guy doesn't get fired from his job. He just told me today, like, what picture you put of me, right? Um, but he teaches the Sirah. And he teaches on Arcview Kids. He teaches the Sira. He loves the storytelling part of it. And he does it very well. And he has his own kids now. So that's why he's into it, right? Okay, next. This is Muhammad Ali who's going to be teaching Metin al-Izziyah in Madiki Fiqh. The lineup for Madiki Fiqh this year, this fall, is Muhammad Ali for Arcview Plus on Metin al-Izziyah and... The Wizard of Oz teaching intro to Madiki Fiqh. I told this, I've been saying to the students, I have certain family situations. That's why I've canceled a lot of streams over the last, like, couple months. I were canceled a lot. 
So that's why I had to step back a little bit from teaching until that is resolved. So the Wizard of Oz is going to become your new Maliki teacher for those who have been studying with me the last year. Every Tuesday, diligently, they show up on Zoom. And some of you have graduated. Like if uh, some of you have taken the Mutun, the three Mutun, twice now. Okay? And so now you're ready to take Matin al-Aziyah, which now goes into the basic now pillars of Buyur, Nikah, like that. Okay? So that's Muhammad Ali out of Georgetown. All Sheikh Zuhair students. Next. There is Mahdi Lak. Mahdi Lak is going to be teaching Arabic and Shafi'i Fiqh. Okay? He's going to be teaching Arabic. He, he runs the whole Arabic department. And he teaches Shafi'i Fiqh. All right? So he teaches Al-Manhaji in Shafi'i Fiqh. Fiqh Al-Manhaji. Okay, next. Imran Ahmed. Mufti Niaz, if you remember, was our teacher in Arkview for Hanafi Fiqh, but he ended up getting a very busy job down the road from us, and so he got too busy. So, But Imran Ahmed, and he can be back. Inshallah, Mufti Niyaz. Imran Ahmed is teaching our Hanafi fiqh. He is our resident Hanafi leader, and he teaches us here, and he teaches at Darafat, and he lives around the corner from us. So that is Ustadna uh, Imran Ahmed. Okay, so if you're a Hanafi, that's your teacher. Next. And here is Shamsi Tamiz joining us for the first time teaching a 200 level Aqidah class. Okay. Huh? He is a mutakallim. He's a mutakallim, right? And he knows his stuff. And he studied in uh, in Turkey. He definitely knows his stuff. Now, the menhaj here is that it's not about some kind of one-time experience. This is what the awliya do for life. They study and they teach for life. Thick and thin. Communists come, communists go. Winter comes, winter goes. This is what they do. They are like... Uh, almost like things of nature in the world, right? The rain never goes out of fashion. Like, there's no century where the rain just stopped. There's no, uh, uh, if you look at the, the creation, the, the mountains, trees, oak trees, apple trees, these things don't stop. They don't go out of fashion, right? And if you notice, food can come and go away if it's man-made. Like, there is going to be a time where people don't like to eat a certain dessert, Right? It's just the taste buds changed. There is never going to be a time where people stop liking mangoes, right? When Allah creates something, it never goes out of fashion. There's no extinction because he's al-awwal wal-akhir. So they have a touch of the sifa, of course, of stability. La yazul. The attribute of Allah is absolutely la yazul. And his awliya and the things of his creation, they don't, of course, are not eternal, right? But they have the attribute of stability. And never go out of fashion. Awliya Allah, manhaj al-awliya, the manhaj of the, that we took this manhaj from, right? The manhaj of the awliya, uh, imams of Islam has never changed. In 200 years, if there's still life on earth, it will be the same. They're going to study the Arabic language, they're study the Quran, they study hadith, study aqidah, study fiqh, and then study nawazil after that. Nawazil is the new matters. Okay, It will never change. That's the beauty of it. So you never feel that you're in a race. You know, right? there's, there's no end to this, so relax. Our philosophy is that you sign up 
because khairul birri ajilu sign up to any class that you you find the benefit in all right whatever it is okay in our case this is what we're offering you sign up you should if you can't do it you can always decrease the amount that you do and that's why we emphasize the the pre-recorded classes this is someone says i i can't attend this live class it clashes with my work so that's why we created the the pre-recorded classes Every class now, next semester, or halfway through the semester, will probably be up the recordings. They go up pretty quick. And so study a little bit at a time from the recordings, right? A little, even just 10 minutes at a time, 15 minutes at a time. All right, here we go. Hanbali Aqidah. This is the big one. And this is the class that I want to read you the subject matters of this class, the subtopics. Roman numeral one. The divine attributes. This is Sheikh, as you see in the picture here, Yusuf bin Sadiq. Sheikh Yusuf bin Sadiq. Okay. What Ibn Taymiyyah said about discussing sifats with common Muslims. That's the first subject matter. First lecture. Second lecture. What is ta'wil and what did the Hanabila say about ta'wil? Okay. Third one. Hanbali and Ash'ari aqidah compared. In what are they similar? Which way they differ? And they never differ on the asl of a'tiqat. They differ upon how they handle the questions brought by philosophers and innovators. That's how they differ, right? As for the actual belief itself, the, the, the essence of the beliefs are not so different. If any, you probably can't find many differences, right? And otherwise, Ibn, uh, uh, Abu Hassan al-Ash'ari would not have said Imam Ahmad is our imam. And whereupon his aqidah is how you differ with the nawazil, how you differ with the new matters, that is is the issue, is the difference. Okay. Next subject. The aqidah of Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal in Usul al-Sunnah. The which Hanbali scholar is the most authentic representation of Imam Ahmed. Okay, covers that subject. On Allah being the real doer of things. Hanbali and Ash'ari aqidahs compared. Okay. Tafweed between Hanbali and Ash'ari. Hanbali prohibition on ta'wil of specific words. And tafweed in the Hanbali creed. Okay. Don't worry about sometimes a sheikh may cover one topic in another video ahead of its time. But that's okay. It happens all the time. When you take the whole thing, you'll, you'll get the whole picture. And now, Roman numeral two. Al-Tawassul, Al-Istighatha, Al-Barakah. And who has the power to do things, right? Because these masail are all tied to the one mas'ala of who has true power to do things, okay? Once you believe that only Allah has the power to do things, okay? And asking others is out of tasabbub or isti'nas. Mainly tasabbub. Right? Because Allah commanded us to take from Asbab. Then it doesn't matter at that point, it will never become shirk to ask somebody for something. If your a'tiqad is that. And that's what he covers here. And he says, says not, we don't say it's shirk. Maximum we say it's haram solely because there is no precedent for it or that we don't have certainty that it will help us. The Hanbali ruling on istighatha, that's lecture 10. 11, istighatha discussion continued. Lecture 12, do created things have any power? 14, Tawassul. 13, Abdul Qadir al-Jilani on the real doer of things in the universe. 
15, what are the Hanabit Abdul Qadr al Jalani who's represented right here? You guys know that, right? Where's the flag? You know that? The blue part is Abdul Qadr al Jalani. The black and white is Ahmed Rida Khan. The green part, of course, is Sayyid al Kuni. The flag. Yeah. Tawassul, Abdul Qadr al Jalani. What the Hanabit say about Istighatha? What is the value of Tawassul through pious people? What is the difference between Tawassul with people versus deeds? The ruling of seeking barakah. Next, uh, Roman numeral three, graves, visitation, domes, speaking to the dead. Building shrines on graves, on visiting graves. Can the dead hear us? Ibn Taymiyyah and Ibn Qayyim give their answer. Roman numeral four, tasawwuf, the meaning of bid'ah in the Hanbali school. Tasawwuf in the Hanbali school. 20-minute lesson. Roman numeral five, authentic sources of Hanbali aqidah. The books, texts, and sources of the Hanbali creed. 25, the position of Ibn Taymiyyah in fiqh versus aqidah. Like in fiqh, Ibn Taymiyyah has a standing with the Hanabila. In aqidah, he has a different standing with the Hanabila. I believe he is, his fatawa are considered in fiqh. But in aqidah, is a different, he's going to talk about it there. I'll leave him to talk about it. All right, did we cover everyone here? All right, so what am I teaching? I'm teaching Qawaid um, al-Tasawuf by Sidi Ahmad Zarduq. That's what I'm teaching Thursdays. Same okay. as in person, right? You're just recording it while you're teaching? What's that? Like the one you do in person, you're recording that, right? And then on Zoom? Yeah, okay. yep. The one I do in person, yep. Okay. How are we doing on time? Uh, it's 2.57. 2.57. Turquoise is asking... What is the Arabic, O oh, oh servants of Allah, help me? Ya ibadallah a'inuni. Ya ibadallah a'inuni. That's the hadith of istighatha bil malaika. That means in your, that, the, the psychology of that is that you're in the desert, right? It, it gives people hope. If you're in the desert, if you're, if, you're, if you're lost in the desert alone, and you're lost in the desert with a hundred other people, which one gives you is less hardship? hundred other people, right? Because if I'm lost in the desert alone, right, I feel that I'm, it all rests upon my energy and my brain and my eyes and my ears. But if I have a hundred other people, that's 200, 198 more ears, right? That's 198 more eyes. That's more energy. And humans love humans, right? Do we give each other energy? We talk, we can motivate each other and we could do what we can do with a hundred people is not what we can do by ourselves. So likewise, the prophet is, is, is not just speaking about getting help. He's also speaking about to the psychology of the human being. You're never alone. We never have to worry about being alone. All right. There are malaika all over the place and they are always helping Bani Adam. Many times people imagine what was life like in the pre-modern times, in the pre-technological era. There's a f how many people have ever thought this? Oh man, what was life like before they had technology? You have now deemed the technology to be a own of humans, is the main helper of humans. That's the perception. The underlying part of that statement is that technology is the number one aid of humans. But it's not. Allah has malaika to help everybody. Al-Muslim al-Kafir. Fid dunya. Help of the dunya. We're not saying help of the akhirah. Help of the dunya. We're not saying help of the deen. We're saying help of the, this hayat dunya There are malaika assisting people in their life because they are meant to live on this dunya so that they can be tested, right? 
when it, when when the road team comes to play a match in the stadium, in our stadium, does not our organization host them? Because we can't have a match without them. We host them and we root against them, right? So likewise, al-Muslim wal-Kafir gets aid, help from malaika in this life. Okay? That hadith of the Prophet wasallam. there's an angel by your eye protecting your eye. Is it for a Muslim only? No. It's for the Kafir too. Why? Because he can't be judged if he doesn't hear and see. He can't be tested if he doesn't hear and see. So Allah himself will ensure their survival. Okay? So that is not talaqi al-mahab. It's not Allah giving them love on their kufr. No, he is helping them. Muslim wal kafir because this is the abode of testing and we it is not for cannot be tested if we're living in a world that uh, basically all we're trying to do is, is survive. So Allah has always helped human beings through malaika to survive right in this world. It's also a way to test their gratitude. And most people will live their entire life never knowing that malaika helped them. And we say, no problem. You don't need to know. They're just a sebab. But you will believe that Allah helped you. Like you have to know that the source of it all is Allah's help. Right? So that's where you should never worry about people in the past or the future. Allah Ta'ala will always ensure that they can live. Right? So that because they need to live in this high dunya. And Allah has rahmah. Allah is merciful. Right? It's not just only solely because they have to be tested in some cold, calculated way, but also Allah has rahmah. And that rahmah we know, the name Ar-Rahman indicates his aid of all his creation. And the name Ar-Rahim is specific to the mu'mineen. Bil-mu'mineen ar-ra'uf ar-Rahim. Okay. Uh, did we finish all our slides? Okay, good, because we're going to be doing this again with this course-specific posters that we get okay all right message from from jan not that it's a big deal but my name is misspelled in the in the title can i you fix it add a k between the z and the o okay so there you go i need guidance about life searching for a partner making most of 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 life dunya and akhira okay I think the best source of life is going to be through what the Prophet said. People, they live to help other people, and everyone is, for, is aided by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, what we mean here is that if you're alone, chances are you're missing out on too much. You're missing out on way too much. The, the, there is even a qasida written by. I think Habib Omar himself is that there's no happiness in life except with your brothers, with your friends. And it's through that that all the good things other happen. It's by having a jama'ah, by having a little crew that you can get married through there. Trust develops and people marry, right? Um, people get jobs. When you're sick, people take care of you. At least they care, right? At least when you're sick, you know that Maybe people didn't ask, but when I come back after two weeks of being out, they're going to say something, right? They're going to go, oh, where were you? All that nice stuff, right? So that feeling is really what gives life to a person. And when your heart feels good, your whole body's going to respond. You're not going to be, 
you're going to be more healthy when your heart is happy and satisfied and filled with the love of your brothers. And that's why I like to study aqidah so much and fiqh is because, all right, we're all going to get together. Upon what? Like, what's going to be the referee of this group? What's going to be the guide of this group? Because you ask the question, if we love friends so much and suhbah so much, what ruins it? Everything that ruins it can be cured through aqidah and fiqh and tasawuf. A tasawuf will cure the hearts from envying each other. Al-fiqh will make sure that we do our dealings correctly so that we don't end up in court or end up in a feud, right? Most people don't go to court, but they have feuds. Feuds related to money, feuds related to marriage, feuds related to mu'amalat. We need a referee here to guide us because I don't know what bothers you, what bothers you, what bothers you. I'm not going to go study what bothers everybody. I'm going to study what Allah tells us, right? This is not how to treat a human. This is how to treat your Muslim. Right? Isn't that easier than knowing, well, what bothers Ali? Okay, what bothers Jawad? What bothers Islam? I'm not going to keep doing this, right? Just give me one set of way of behaving that is going to be good for everybody. Okay? And of course, that doesn't take aside that there will be some times, there will always be specific cases. Like with so-and-so, I know you can't talk like that. But how much of it? Enough that I can download that in my head. It's not going to be everything. Right? 98% of the mu'amala is the same, right? We're, but it's just that 2% now. You reduce it now to 2% only. I have to, to tweak it, right? Personalize it. So, aqidah. Like, aqidah is so important about what do we believe about life, about existence, okay? And it feeds everything else after that. That's why it's also known as usul al-deen. There's usul al-fiqh, but usul al-deen is aqidah. So, by having a f- our our daily practice touching a little bit every day on aqid, a little bit every day on fiqh, just a little bit, doesn't have to be heavy lifting, a little bit. But after five years, after 10 years, after 15 years, it's compounded to a lot. It's a culture now, right? And it can regulate our relationships and keep our relationships lasting the longest amount of time. And I can't emphasize how much the self is important in this. It removes the wiswas that people get. Dhikrillah, it expels that wiswas. So many people, they get wiswas uh, about others. Shaitan puts it there. He'll put a wiswas in your mind that so-and-so talked about you. So-and-so doesn't like you. So-and-so doesn't answer you, but answers everybody else. All sorts of wiswas. You have something to say, Ali? Hmm. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and all of our friends in England, because a lot of listeners are here from England, and we had our guests from England today. So we England is like the older brother of Muslims in America, because they've been around longer, the institutions are all bigger, right? Uh, but our space is bigger here in America, and, you know, the... We need to do ta'awun with them and always be in touch with our brothers and sisters in England. All right, folks. Jazakumullah khairan. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruk wa natubu ilayk wal asr. Inna al-insana lafi khusr. Illa al-lazina amanu wa amilu salihat. Wa tawasaw bil-haq. Wa tawasaw bil-sabr. Wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah. 